Good morning again. Welcome to our Sunday service. We are on week two of our series, Witnesses in the Book of Acts. And last week, as we began uh, this, the book of Acts, uh, we, as we talk about being a witness, uh, we know that commonly we use that uh, phrase, uh, this role of the church, this role of the Christian life, uh, emphasizing this aspect of needing to talk uh, about God, needing to testify to what we have seen God do. But through this series, one of the things we want to focus on is this beginning aspect of being a witness, uh, first experiencing uh, this transformation from God, seeing it firsthand, and letting that begin to change our lives. To be a witness, we first need to experience it, to cause us this feeling that we need to go and talk about what we've seen. Mm. But as we go through this season that we're in, um, I I get this general sense uh, of just being tired, of of almost being weary of this ongoing and ongoing Mm -hmm. season that we're in. And I think the difficulty with seasons of waiting is when we're waiting, we we take this moment to search. And, And when we're searching and we're searching, we're searching for answers, we're searching for clarifications. We're searching for a specific thing in the future. And the temptation when we're searching is that sometimes we can remain idle mm. uh, or we can, in a sense, really give up, give up the hope that we're holding on to. Um, a couple uh, days ago, uh, we had this electric buzz happening in the church. And so I took days trying to, to figure out what was causing it. I tried to find the solution to try to fix it. And and I called my friend to come look at it. And it literally took him, like, he got out of his car, he looked at it, and he's like, huh, I wonder if this switch would do something. And he switched it off. And right away, the sound went away. He just he yeah. just knew where to look. And mm. in that moment, I, I was just having that sense of feeling where if you know where to look, you can mm. solve something so quickly. But if yeah. you don't know where to look, if you're looking in all the wrong places, you can spend your spin your wheels in the same problem yes. over and over and over again. And as we, we go through this season, uh, we want to continue to ask ourselves, where is God showing up in mm. this situation we're in, in this present moment? Because we don't want to spend our time searching in all these wrong places, but we want to, in faith, begin to search where God is showing up. Uh, our bumper video that begins the sermon series uh, is the voice of A.W. Tozer. Uh, he's a famous uh, pastor in, in the Chicago area, and uh, he wrote a famous book. It's called The Pursuit of God, and uh, he says this in the book. He says, Faith enables our spiritual sense to function. Where faith is defective, though, the result will be inward insensibility and numbness towards spiritual things. Mm -hmm. And so our encouragement as we look at this text today is is don't give up in faith, looking where God is showing up. Don't let your faith wane or else we'll, we'll, we'll have this inward insensibility, we'll have this numbness towards spiritual things. But God shows up in the most unlikely places and the most unlikely people. Mm. Yes, so the, the, the book of Acts picks up today where we're going to be looking in Acts chapter 3 and then Acts chapter 4 with the disciples. They're, they're trying to get on with their lives, figure out what they're due as witnesses of Jesus Christ now. And they're on, on their way to prayer. They're on their way to temple. And they experience this, this man who uh, needs, needs, he's begging. He's, he's asking for you know, silver and gold, uh, but instead they give him what they've received from, from Jesus. And they actually walk in the pattern of Jesus, meeting the vulnerable, touching them, uh, being with them, and it creates this moment um, that they can be witnesses. Um, you know, I think about this idea of being witnesses of Jesus and um, really 
there are no reliable secondhand witnesses. You know how a story gets twisted um, when it goes through multiple people. It's like a game of telephone. And it's the same way with the kingdom of God. We can't have secondhand witnesses. We can't have secondhand faith for, in order for people to um, experience and believe and have uh, a true faith. They have to be witnesses themselves of the power of Jesus Christ. And that's what happens here in this moment. Yeah. And last week, as we left off, we, we, is the day of Pentecost. We exited really Acts 2. There's this mm-hmm. sense of the church growing. It says all the believers had yeah. everything in common. They were worshiping together, praying together, breaking bread together. So the church is coming together, but there's still this sense. This is only 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. There's still this sense of, of not being fully formed yet. Yep. And so even in this story, we, we pick up Acts 3, Peter and John are making their way to the temple. It says they're making their way to the temple to pray. And, and this is a Jewish ritual. Really, they're they're still in this practice of of going to the temple to pray because they're still in this transitionary time. And I, I think yeah. it speaks so much to what we're going through right now. We're trying to continue these same rhythms in our life, but also doing it in different way. Mm-hmm. And so as they're making their way to the temple, it says, yeah, they, they came across this gate, the beautiful gate. And day after day, the same lame man, this, this begging man who's mm-hmm. begging for money, who can't walk, he was put at the gate for his daily motion of asking people uh, Mm -hmm. uh, for help. And we pick up in verses three through four. It says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, this man asked to receive alms. Peter directed his gaze at him as did John. And he said, look at us. Mm -hmm. And I think as we begin our passage today, as we talk really from last week, the power of the spirit and, and how it leads us into our life of faith. I think the spirit causes us to see uh, our reality, our present moment through a different lens, through a lens of faith. And so as Peter and John are entering this temple, it's this emphasis in the passage that they are staring at this man. Mm -hmm. And as they come into him and he asks them for money, uh, Peter really directs his attention and says, look at me. They're seeing Mm. this world in this lens of faith. And so uh, the New Living Translation in verse five says this, the lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. He wanted some money. He was hoping that they would give them something to satisfy him in this moment. Verse six, Peter says this, I have no silver, I have no gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I think this is so interesting perspective because the man was asking for a specific thing, but Peter and John don't give them that. They give them something better. Yeah. Sometimes, like you were saying before, we don't know where to look. That man is, is, he's looking um, at, at Peter and John and he sees them as his next meal, hopefully. Um, But he doesn't know that what, where to look and what to look for, that he could be asking for more, that there's more out there, that there's a bigger uh, picture yeah. that God is putting together. Um, you know, when I, when I was sick and had cancer, I had testicular cancer, uh, they let me know that my, my testing afterwards, my uh, x-rays and things like that to monitor the spread um, was going to be of my lungs. Mm. And I thought, you know, that's that's strange. You know, I thought that you'd be scanning my, my pelvis area. Yeah. Uh, and they said, well, actually, where to look for spread, the first place this spreads even more visible uh, than, than in your pelvis area is right in your lungs. Mm. And so the doctors knew that where to look. And I think sometimes um, we might be uh, in need and we can recognize our need, but we don't know where to look, we don't know how to look, and we don't even know what to ask for. 
And I think this is what this man is experiencing at this moment. And when we come to God and we have that emphasis of our greatest need and we think this is where God needs to show up, yep. it blinds us to these other areas where God might be showing up trying to call us to this, this bigger need that we have that we aren't, aren't sure of. And so yeah. uh, Peter says, look at me. He says, I don't have silver or gold. He says, mm. he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up. And there's this yeah. beautiful image that Acts 3 gives us that uh, Peter reaches out his hand and they, they lift up the lame beggar man, mm. nameless guy. And it says that his ankles, his feet, his bones were healed in that moment, and he had strength to stand mm. up. And I think that this is a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to, supposed to do. Yep. A, a call to bear witness is to experience the transformation of God in such a way that when we go out in our lives, we are actively seeing these open doors that God is putting in front of us, mm-hmm. seeing these people and not seeing them through a lens of critique or comparison, but in the sense of serving them, of saying, I have good news for you. And they reach out and they they lift him up. And uh, one author says, uh, you know, it was the power of Jesus working through, but it was the hand of Peter lifting Mm. him up. I love how John Stott uh, says it. He says, this was not a gesture gesture of unbelief, but it was of love. Mm. And they lift this man up and it says that this lame man, he gets up and he's he's celebrating, he's standing, he's running, he's leaping. Mm. He's in a sense, dancing his way into the temple to worship God in this moment. And it begins this healing Mm. moment. It begins because Peter and John had seen what Jesus had done. Yeah. And that made an impact on them on their lives and yeah. it caused them to look in this different perspective. Yeah. They were witnesses. He was not a witness yet to the power of Jesus. And I and I can't help but focus in what was this man asking for? Man, sometimes I think we're we we approach God and we have some ass and there, there's nothing wrong to ask from a perspective. But but sometimes I like to pray and I think we need to pray, God, help me ask for what you want me to ask for. God, you have something bigger than me. If that man got everything he wanted that day, he would have gotten less than what God had Mm. for him. If they would have said, here's tons of gold, tons of silver, you're rich now. I bet that man would have traded it to be leaping and dancing. Mm. He didn't know it was an option. Mm. He wasn't a witness yet to the power of Jesus. And so he gets to leave that day uh, with with a new life, the power and love of God poured out on him. And now he isn't begging for money. He can, he can do actual labor and, and, and get a job and have a family. And God completely transforms him. Um, Acts 3, 11 through 26, there's this moment that comes after all of this leaping and dancing. It says this, while the man held on to Peter, he's holding on to them, Peter and John, All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. Immediately, Uh, All these people are witnesses of something, and Peter and John clarify. They say, no glory for us. We've done none of this. We are just witnesses. Mm. And you, what you all witnessed today was the power of Jesus Christ at work in this man and in front of your eyes. And and what we see here are... um, are God's witnesses, Peter and John, Jesus' witnesses, who, who have seen Jesus at work, seen his power, and have the kind of faith that says, 
we've seen Jesus work and do this. And so we know this is the same spirit in us that, that wants to accomplish these things and show the testimony in front of all these people. And I think what's so powerful here is that we see them, this, this, this dialogue of looking and seeing, and they are keeping their eyes open. They're connected to the Holy Spirit. They see an opportunity. And when an opportunity happens, they recognize immediately that this is bigger than the moment of healing, that there's a greater gift to be given here. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think for us, it's so important as we, uh, you know, kind of begin to um, bear that mantle of, of, of being his witnesses to make sure that we walk through those open doors as God presents them. And, um, and then at that moment, give glory to God and show people this, all of this, whatever is happening, whatever good is being done, whatever love is being poured out, it's because of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and it's for his glory and God has ordained this. And I think sometimes we can get that backwards. Sometimes we can say, I'm a witness and so I need to go and just proclaim. And there's a, a times where we just need to, to share the gospel, certainly, but often how can we share the love of Jesus, mm. speak about it, but not, not display it. Mm. And I think our neighbors, our coworkers, our, our family members, if, if to them, your faith is what you just talk about, there's some value in talking, but if there is no life, there is no love, there is no experience, then what are they witnesses of? a lot of hot air a lot of times. Mm. And so it's so important because I believe it's not just based on your actions, but I think God is opening up doors of opportunity for his people to love, to look, to reach those that are vulnerable, those that are needy, those that, 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 that need the love of Christ, which is all of us. And in that open door, um, share the good news of Jesus and the opportunity to have faith in his name. And that's that act of bearing witness is when, when the power of God is moving in your life and, and it's calling you out, it's calling you into this action. It, it attracts other people to notice that mm-hmm. and they see what's going on. And I, I love this pattern in the story that Peter and John, they, they heal this man, this man who's been at this gate day after day. The people who come to worship see this guy day after day. All of a sudden, the guy who's been laying at this gate day after day is now standing, leaping up, running into the mm-hmm. temple to also worship and praise God. The, it attracts people. They're saying, what? Yeah. This guy's healed. This is, this is crazy. And, and it gives this open door again, as, as Peter says, to, to share the gospel. He says, we are witnesses of the risen Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and he bears that witness. And as the people are, are, are attracted to this, they're seeing what's going on. Again, we see this call of action from Peter to the people. Uh, he says in Acts 3, 19 through 21, repent therefore and turn your turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That time Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And we see this really, this three-step process.
process of action that really flows again from Acts 2 that Peter calls the people into, this aspect of repenting, of finding refreshing, and then living towards restoration. Uh, The first aspect of repenting, we've talked about this over and over again, really through this season that we're going into. And I want to be clear about this, that when we come to to Christ for the first time, we're called into this moment of repenting, of, of giving over our sins, of turning our heart away from these other ways and back towards God, living in this relationship with him. But the call to repentance is not something that we just do once and we move on from there. Mm-hmm. The call to repentance is, is this undergirding, this foundation of our Christian life that we come time and time again to repent, to turn our hearts towards God, because as a people, we are so fragile and yeah. we often turn our hearts away from God. And so the call to repentance is really this life-giving thing. Stop living towards these futile things. Mm-hmm. Open up your eyes towards this this life-altering thing. Stop asking for silver and gold and instead discover the life that Christ has for you. And he he describes this life as this time of refreshing, Mm. of this life that is growing, and then towards this hope that we have of this restoration that this kingdom brings life out of death. And so as we live this life of faith, uh, this call to live repentance, to live in this refreshing, to live with this this aspect towards this future of restoration. That's what gives us hope. That's what grounds yeah. us in faith in this moment. And that's what this call of witness is to do, is to bear witness. We have changed because of the risen Christ. We're living actively in this time of refreshing and we live towards this future certain hope that God's kingdom will be restored again. And so when we talk about being a witness, we don't want you just to see the title of this and say, oh, another evangelism centered thing. Uh, of course it's evangelism yeah, centered, but it's 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 to evangelize out of the life change that you have seen. Uh, my favorite uh, scholar, I quote him all the time, Walter Brueggemann, he says it this way. He says, Witness isn't just talk, it's walk. Walk to newness. Witness is an act of defiance against the dominant empire and the status quo. Witness is a refusal to accept imperial definitions of reality and to probe possibilities past what the world says is possible and permissible. This call that witness is to live towards this alternative future that we have because of Christ. Mm. And so the pattern of our, of our passage as we look at this is as, as this healing takes place, Peter begins to proclaim the gospel. Yeah. And because he does so, we begin to see that people are curious and they begin to question really what is the power? What is the, where is this boldness um, coming from? Yeah. So he preaches the gospel and, and as he does, people are attracted uh, at, at later or in, in Acts 4, it says really 5,000 people respond in this moment, this Mm -hmm. amazing picture of of the power of God moving. And it happens in such a way that the the chief priests and the the powers at play that are holding this Jewish religious system are, are, are caught off guard and they're really fearful about what is happening. And mm-hmm. so they arrest Peter and John. They spend the night in jail. And uh, in, in verses one through two, it describes this, this feeling. It says, and as the people, as, they, as Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So they're arrested mm-hmm. right after this, but we see this emphasis that it's the name of Jesus. It's proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus that is, is causing this, this growth to occur. And then in verse seven, we see there's this aspect, the, the, the officials and the, the temple priest have Peter and John 
They take them out of prison and they ask them one question because it's what they're curious about. By what power or Mm -hmm. by what name did you do this? And I think that this stands out to me in this moment because when we respond in obedience and in boldness to where God is leading us, uh, the watching world is mystified by the power of God because they they can't name it. They can't figure it out. And when they can't figure it out, it makes them suspicious, makes them uneasy. But that's the whole point of this passage is the movement of the church, the healing of this man. The power of the gospel has nothing to do with the capabilities of Peter and John. It has everything to do with God's spirit moving in this church. And Peter responds to this question and he says this, verses eight through 10. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he has been healed. We see this repetition in the growth of the church that happens in Acts, that the spread of the gospel is because... The obedience of the church was to keep their eyes open to seeing where God was showing up. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't done on their power. It was done in the power of the name of Jesus, yeah. the spirit leading them to these open doors. And we see that continue to lead us into the rest of this text. Yeah, I love this, this for me, the climax moment as we, as we head into this trial. It, it gives us a picture, Luke paints a picture of what these religious leaders were experiencing. It says this in in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. To me, um, that, that that just hits me so hard because there is uh, this boldness that's there. There's this empowerment that there, there's even like this effectiveness that is there. But Luke makes it clear that what comes across in this experience, these men probably didn't speak like educated men. They didn't talk like educated, well-to-do men. Uh, They were just common people, Mm. common people, nothing peculiar, amazing, skilled about them, but something was there. And, and what he points to is that they had been with Jesus. And uh, for me, I've experienced that, you know, that idea in my, in my life. I remember our, um, we, we had this uh, festival in the Albany Park neighborhood mm. that we kind of were helping to organize. And they gave us the opportunity to have our Sunday service there on Lawrence Avenue, Lawrence and Kimball. Um, and I thought this was an amazing opportunity, but I knew that there, this was kind of the, the middle of the neighborhood and a spiritual battle. And I fasted for three days and I was preparing. I wanted to preach by the power of the Holy Spirit, not my own preparation, not my own skill, because I didn't feel like I had any as it is. Do you remember uh, that night before? It was so hot. It was like oh, yeah. such a hot, and we met at, yeah. the, at, at Tabor Lutheran, yeah. and we were there that night. We were praying, and I remember just that sense of feeling of like, if something is going to happen tomorrow, it's only going to be by the power of yeah. God. It's, it's, that's how he's going to move in, in that moment. Yeah, and I had this moment of opposition right before I got up on stage. Mm. A couple leaders, neighborhood leaders, came up to me and said, hey, uh, 
Pastor Josh, we don't, we don't think it's right that you're having a Christian service here. Uh, we, we don't understand why you didn't invite other religious leaders and do like an ecumenical uh, combined thing. And I said, all we've invested in to this service. And I felt like the power of the Holy Spirit only can explain like these words came out of me in, in a boldness in a way that I, I didn't plan or, or, or have. Mm. I said, all that we've invested, all that we've, we've done here is because of Jesus Christ, mm. because his love poured out in us enables us to do this mm. uh, in the neighborhood. And if I get up on that stage and I give credit to anyone else other than Jesus, and if I tell anyone else that there's any other way of life other than Jesus, then I would be a liar. Mm. And I think they, they were silenced by that. They were stunned, obviously, by that. Probably didn't agree with what I said, but I felt this boldness. I went up and, and preached, and I saw other community leaders come to our service. Mm. These two leaders were not at our service. They walked away. But then afterwards, both those leaders came up to me and said, all we are hearing are reports from this so-and-so and this leader and I, I, all these neighborhood leaders that this was uh, such a good thing, an amazing thing for the neighborhood and people were really moved. So we want to apologize and we want to say thank you. And I, mm. for me, it was one of those moments that I've tucked, tucked away in my memory to say like, uh, God opened the door. We just stepped through it. God provided his spirit and his favor in that moment. Mm. So there is this opposition that they're facing, but they're marked. They're marked by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think it goes back to me for the, this, to this question. What are we asking God for? Hmm. Even, even for his own work, not for our own like daily needs or I want this or I want that. For saying, God, we want to be witnesses. What are we asking God for? Are we asking God um, for resources only? Are we asking God for... Uh, leaders only, or whatever it might be, are we asking him for the kind of boldness that comes from his Holy Spirit? Mm. That's what we need. I find it uh, remarkable. They, they, at the end of this section, they, Peter and John return to, to the believers, and they begin to pray. And I'm marked, I'm marked with what they pray for. They, they're, they're praying, and they don't even though they perceive all this persecution coming and the persecution does come, the opposition, they told them, you know, leave here and don't you preach again or you'll be thrown in jail and all of this stuff. They pray for boldness. Mm. It says in uh, verse 29 to 30, and now Lord, they pray, look upon their threats mm -hmm. and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we've been talking through this text, even how it begins, um, there's this aspect of really Peter and John emphasizing what they don't have. Mm -hmm. it, it begins, they look at this man, they say, we don't have the resources. Yeah. We, don't, we don't have money for you. But what we do have is so much greater than that. Mm. And I think hearing your story about World Fest is, is amazing. And reading Acts 3 through 4, it causes us to say, look at what God can do. Nope. Um, but I think a lot of times in that waiting time, in that idle time, I think the, the weariness, the tiredness we can feel is as we're searching for these answers, we read the stories, we hear your story, mm -hmm. and we think, how can that happen in my life? You mm -hmm. know, like I feel unprepared for this. I feel untrained. I, I don't feel equipped enough. I, I don't yeah. know if I'm bold enough to do this kind of thing. Yeah. So how can I, 
in this present moment of waiting, how can I believe? How, what can mm. I do? How can something like that happen in my life? Yeah, I, th- and that's a, that's a great question because you don't, you don't want to be listening to this and feel so removed from it. Um, you know, f- for me, what I see in the disciples, th- there's this theme all through the, the book of Acts that these things happen mm. where God moves. And you see, you see it later with Paul too, they're on their way to prayer. Mm. They're on their way to prayer. And I think we can't bemoan the fact that, um, that we don't experience these moments of God showing up and empowering us when uh, we don't put ourselves in, in proximity to Jesus and in proximity to his mission. If you're not on, on your way to prayer, if you're not on your way to proclaim uh, God's word, if that's not a part of your mm-hmm. life, then, then where is God going to... Sh- God, God doesn't need to send his spirit to empower you uh, in front of your TV, you know? Nothing wrong with relaxing and watching TV, but God sends his spirit to empower his disciples um, on the mission that he sent them on. And so what I see in this passage and what I've had to learn and experience in my own life is the power that we have to be witness comes from the preparation of prayer and just the same thing that the disciples were marked with, our proximity to Jesus. What's remarkable about them, what's remarkable about us is that people take note that these people have been with Jesus. And I want in my mm-hmm. life to walk into situations and people say something is different about them. He's clearly been marked with Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's been around God himself. And that's what the passage ends on with this prayer of boldness is the church is coming together and they're not asking for resources. Mm-hmm. They're not asking to be more prepared they're, they're asking for God to give them boldness, to give them this readiness, really this fearless confidence to lead them mm-hmm. into their lives. I uh, just today heard this phrase from A.W. Tozer. It's called, uh, he calls it constant conscience communion with God. Uh, this idea of always in all areas of our lives, not saying we give God Sundays, we give God the night of our small group, we give God a little portion in the the morning, but how it permeates all of our lives in such a way that faith becomes this bedrock that we live into because we're always thinking, how is God showing up in this place? Where is God showing up in this moment right now? And this is the encouragement and the challenge we wanna give you and leave you with today. How are you in this present moment of waiting, uh, opening up areas of your life, really investigating and looking and asking, Mm. where is God showing up in this time? And what are you asking God for? Mm. Because we want to invite you to take this time to ask God to use this time of waiting. Maybe it's time of preparation for you when we go back into more normal life, for you to be more prepared to, to witness about God in your life. Maybe this is a time for you to experience that transformation of God in your own life in this mm-hmm. moment so that you walk out and you can't, as Peter and John say, we can't but speak of what we yeah. have seen and heard because it has meant so much to us. And so we want to invite you just to take this time as a time of preparation, invest this time and ask, how are you pursuing God with your life? How are you opening your life to grounding your faith in him? Uh, Hebrews 10 39 says it this way. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, mm. but we are those of faith and preserve their souls. And that's what we want to encourage you and challenge you on. Are you those that are taking a step in faith and preserving their souls and not taking a step back and being destroyed? 
If you have never uh, taken that chance to really open up your heart and in repentance, give your life over to Christ, we want to invite you week after week. This is, this is your chance to do that. Yeah. Uh, open up your life, repent, turn away from the various idols in your life and give your heart fully to Christ. And when you do, you live in this present active moment of living in this refreshing, living towards this future hope of restoration we have in Christ. Mm. And as we end our time together, as we prepare our hearts for worship, uh, I just want to encourage you that as you give your life to Christ, when you found your life on faith, that you are more than capable of of being empowered through the Spirit Mm -hmm. to witness on behalf of Christ, that you are restored in Christ, Mm -hmm. that you are renewed in Christ. And because of that, you are empowered, you are emboldened. Mm -hmm. So as you look in this time of waiting. Don't grow weary in your hope, but instead refound that foundation, refound your hope by in faith trusting that Christ is preparing you for those right times right now to open your eyes and see the door he is leading you into. You are a witness of Christ. I just feel that, you know, we're a little over time, but I just I just want to pray mm. for you as you're, um, as you're watching this. Lord Jesus, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, we we come to you, God, and we ask that you would pour out your spirit on your servants, God. We pray, God, that uh, you would reveal yourself to us, God, that you would pour out your spirit for, for, for healing and so that we can be witnesses, God. I pray for those who don't know you or are beginning to know you, God, that they would witness your love and your power in their lives, God, and go out proclaiming the good news, God. And I pray for those uh, of us who've known you for a long time, God. Um, God, would you give us a refreshed joy and endurance and peace in this season, God? Would you wake up the sleepers, God? And would you empower us, embolden us, God? We ask you, Lord Jesus, we ask you, um, uh, would you help us ask the right questions, God? Would you help us request and have the heart that desires what you desire in this moment, God. Uh, God, we pray from our perspective, and sometimes that, that feels like we're asking for, for silver and gold, tangible things, God. But we pray that you would instead, uh, more than that, pour out the eternal things mm. on your people, God. We want, we want a church, God. We want lives. We want families. Uh, not empowered by tangible things, but by your spirit, mm. God. We want to be people like Peter and John, mm. God, who, uh, who get to see... Uh, leaping and dancing because of the power of your spirit, God. Would you do that in the name of Jesus, by which all of this is possible, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, join us as we respond in worship.